welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Join us every weekday at this time to discuss news, spend time in the Word, and receive answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning, Kathy. Uh, here we are in uh, 28th of, uh, t- uh, this will be shown on the 28th, and you'll be uh, somewhere in Spain enjoying, I will, enjoying uh, your uh, yeah, 30th I'll still be anniversary. I'll in Malaga right then, I think. <laughs> I think I will be in Malaga that day, so looking forward to it. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, that, uh, because we, you know, we tape, uh, obviously we'll be taping uh, here in February before you go. Uh, well into March, we won't be able to hear about this till later in, in March. But yes, <laughs> um, it'll be exciting to hear uh, uh, just how beautiful the trip will be, and how uh, you know what a joy it is to see beautiful pieces in the world and uh, experience you know intimacy with you and Dan, and uh, it'll be it'll be just spectacular. Right. Yeah. So you even said something last time you were talking a little bit about um, you'll you know, just fostering intimacy with the Father and the importance of Sabbath and that sort of thing. And, um, and I think that's such an important parallel even to see um, it takes intentionality to mm. foster intimacy. Yeah. Um, and that's something we need to do in our covenant relationship of marriage as well as in our covenant relationship with God is setting aside time and space really to foster intimacy with intentionality. So really is. That'll be a sweet time of that for us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing, um, you know, that you guys have learned how to do really well, um, and you've demonstrated it, you know, with your taking time, like you, you took, I know you took Dan down to uh, uh, Boston to see the Hamilton. Yeah, we um, sure did. And stayed overnight, and, you know, I had a, had a good time down there. And um, the one thing that we learned, we actually learned it really just kind of a interesting commitment, and we, we didn't even know what it, what it was. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. Um, when we were first married and, and we became believers after we got married and then you know the first you know seven eight ten years um we were we were christians and i'm a seminary graduate but um it was it was just living you know an intellectual life mm-hmm. um, so we would we had problems we had some issues in life you know where there's conflict and uh we weren't awful but uh there were times when we weren't thriving, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't know <laughs> any of the stuff that we learned later, uh, having made you know some mistakes particularly. But um, the one thing that we, for some reason, we both, we both received this and did it, is that we took, we knew that spending time together was important. Right. And so, um, and we, you know, we got married, remember I'm 20 and she's 20 or 18. And she has she has all three kids by the time she's twenty six. Wow! Uh, and uh, <laughs> and so uh, you know when you with babies, particularly, it's hard to carve that time out. It's hard to carve so time important. out. And there's a thought uh, that well, I really can't get away because 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 you know mm-hmm. and 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 for some reason, we were just you know what we're going to take the time and do it. So what we mm-hmm. did. 
is uh, once a quarter, uh, ever since we, we uh, first couple of years of marriage, we took off and mm-hmm. left the kids with somebody, you know, and, right. and um, even, even uh, nursing babies, because you could nurse uh, for a couple of days to be able to give them the milk that they need, um, right. and then we would go, and we would just get away from the house to a different place, mm-hmm. and particularly when sometimes when we were, you know, going through the bankruptcy and stuff, we didn't have any money. Um, we just went to a really cheap place, but we got away. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we did that every quarter. And then what we did is we always had a really nice vacation with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and our kids have been all over the world with us. And then we took a separate vacation just with us. Um, and so uh, we, we right. learned that Sabbath issue, which we didn't have any clue what it meant. But we recognized mm-hmm. over time is how important that intimacy was and then when we realized it, we, of course, then uh, planned, like you say, is then became intentional. Mm-hmm. And then we've lived it out ever since. And we're trying to teach others that as a couple, uh, you know, your primary relationship is, first of all, you and God personally. Then you yes. two together with God and keep that intentionality so that I know you've done that and you're intentionally planning Mm-hmm. to spend a period of time and it'll just be you and Dan you're gonna I know you're gonna meet some friends there for a couple of days but right but we're there for several days first on our own yeah, yeah that you're there and it's just gonna be you two away from the normal mm-hmm. uh, and when you get away from the normal it's interesting your 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 whole emotion and thinking kind of gets some freedom to it and some joy to it because you're not in that same pattern. So even, it's not about even just taking time at at your house, it's getting away into a different culture or a different environment, Mm -hmm. you know, so we, it'll be exciting to see what happened, you know, what, uh, with you and I know you're excited about it and, and I know Dan's excited about it, you know, what a privilege that is. Absolutely. Uh, We've been talking about, um, you know, prayer, remember prayer is just dialogue, intimacy with God. Uh, we, we're going to keep repeating uh, one thing that, that came up that you said is that um, intimacy, what? Always precedes power and assignment. It always precedes power. and ass- In other words, intimacy precedes life. <laughs> um, the life of God gives you the ability to live the life of God uh, right. and the experience of it in reality and in, in the world with the power that it takes to overcome with the assignment of uh, where does he want me to fulfill his life for me now, which by the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, just think of what, what we're saying here is that Kathy and Dan's assignment is we'll go spend time together. Right. Um, that's and enjoy an ass- one another. That's, an that's, ass- that's, that's a, a worthy assignment. That's a worthy assignment. Yeah. So it's not even in our definition of, well, I gotta go do something. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just would just be together and enjoy each other. Um, right. So take that for just a second, because I think that is also that very same principle people apply in their relationship with God, mm-hmm. that they assume that that should be transactional. I am they they equate doing for God mm. with being with him. And sometimes even our assignment from him. I mean, it does always just start with intimacy, but he won't even give us an assignment until we're at his feet. Yeah. You know, and I think we do, we so hang our value on what we do and what we produce in this culture that we flip that so often. And just, if we could just get our heads around 
how important being, you know, if you and Linda only worked side by side doing things together and producing things and never talked in the middle of it all and communicated, <laughs> what an utterly miserable marriage that would be. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. There would not be joy in that. Yeah. Yeah. It is the intimacy, the relational, the emotional, the spiritual connection that makes that a joy, correct? Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is that um, <laughs> there is no way <laughs> that I can be with Linda and she's not going to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, you know, because that's her, that's her joy. Uh, uh, we were, you know, we were, we were just explaining about being down in the Caymans and um, this is, oh gosh, this is maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, we were at the Caymans, and just it was just her and me, and, and we were actually with some friends who owned a condo, uh, really mm -hmm. actually not too far away from where we were at this time, right okay. on, right on Seven Mile Beach, right, and they had a condo, beautiful condo on the beach. Um, and so we go down there just to relax and have fun. Uh, and so uh, the guy, and, and they were bridge players and we were bridge players, and okay. uh, the guy says, hey, there's a bridge tournament here, and uh, why don't we all go and, and join the tournament? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, that'd be fun. Hey, hey, Linda. Yeah, sure. And and he says, now, Linda, I got to I got to tell you something. Um, this is a professional tournament, and you can't <laughs> you can't talk at all. Oh no. The whole thing is done in silence, and you you do everything. You have a a, a little box next to you. Right. And everything you do is by uh, paddles. You pick up a paddle to bid, to say, to do whatever. You can't talk the entire three hours. It doesn't even sound fun to me. Um, <laughs> and that's why it's serious stuff, you know. And so uh -huh. um, Linda said, and he says, by the way, if you violate that, they're going to kick you out. <laughs> and so Linda says, that ain't, happen that ain't happening. Yep. I cannot stay silent for three, for three hours. That ain't going to happen. And I said, exactly. That ain't going to happen. So let's not even bother. He said, well, one of you. That's so funny. He says to me, he says, one of you and I go. Okay. You know, so he and I go. So he and I went and we won the tournament. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and, and it's called, it's called duplicate bridge. And what it is, is that there was, uh, there's like however many people play, but there, in this case, there were six tables and right. you play, you play four, you know, four, two people play against two other people. So it's four at a table. Um, in duplicate bridge, uh, and this is a whole, you know, a whole big deal. Uh, they prepare the cards ahead of time. Hmm. And, and every table and every position has exactly the same hand. That's why oh, it's, it's, really? called, it's called duplicate. So uh, the table oh, next, that's fascinating. Table next to us is playing exactly the hands that we're playing, and it's all the other six. And the person, you know, so I'm I'm sitting across from uh, from this guy. Um, so there's really no randomness in. Okay, you can say I got better cards than that table or worse cards than that table. You've been given the same thing, and so what you do with it is truly. If you, reliant on your skill is, is how and insight good, into the game. How good are you at playing these, these scans? You know, so I still wouldn't like it being quiet, but no. that's fascinating. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the difference was is that um, uh, they give you these. They're they're purposely set up so that you you're going to have to do an assessment. Mm -hmm. And should I take that risk? 
in bidding and it's bidding, you know, because you get points when you bid. Right, right. So do you do you, and the and the big the biggest one is called the Grand Slam where you win all the tricks. Okay. Um, and you bid it, you bid it and win it. So you gotta you gotta say, should I bid it? Right. Because even a minor slam, which is getting all but one one card, one trick. Uh, well, that's that's a lot of points too. So a mm-hmm. lot of people kind of stop short and say, oh, I'll, I'll go for the the minor slam, not the grand slam. Um, and then if you win it, you, you know you do. And so you gotta you gotta take the risk to bid it. And then by the way, <laughs> you actually have to win it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's win a ball, but it's how you play it. Right. And there's certain things to do it, you know. And so we bid this one little thing. We bid the grand slam, and mm-hmm. got and we did it. And we that put us over the top. Uh, in terms of points, you know, so it's it was, awesome. it's quite fun. And Linda was not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cannot see her enjoying that in no, the least. <laughs> no, oh, and this is, uh, by the way, um, uh, I'll send you pictures of this. We're in the Caymans, uh-huh. and there's a place called Stingray City. Uh huh. Um, and it's a it's it's where it's a sandbar, and you dr- you take a boat out there. You all get out of the boat. And you're and you're standing in about waist high deep uh, water. Right, and uh, you can see your feet in that water. It's yeah. stunning. Yeah. yeah, and it's way far out. It just happens to be a sandbar, and it happens to be a place where stingrays assemble. Mm. So um, they do, and then then the the guide um, starts to interact with the stingray and you, and so mm. <laughs> and so. Um, and it's always kind of funny, but this is likely, you know, it happened. They pick Linda as first. Of course. <laughs> and so, hey, honey, come here. You know, and she's already like, eh, I don't know about this. Right, right. Um, and so, come here. He says, you know, turn around. And he places the stingray on her head. Oh, my goodness. And you could hear Linda screaming in the Cayman Islands. Um, oh my goodness! And everybody on the boat, and all the boats next to us, were just laughing, and we're having the greatest time. And she was just screaming about get that oh. off of me, you know. And then he kept saying, "No, here, touch this, and t-, you know, and the whole thing." And I've got pictures of it all. Um, oh, that's great! So it's it's really funny, but uh, everybody had a good time. And Linda, you know, she obviously she she gets a little bit frightened about stuff, but she had a good time too, you know, and so. That's Linda, the life of the party, you know. So uh, <laughs> we had we had a great time. Well, as we're uh, working on this life of prayer and intimacy, and we've talked about it, is we talked last time about the prayer of, of Christ. Let's talk. Let's mm-hmm. look at another scenario where uh, Paul actually comes to know Christ, and then what happens through all this. So if you go to Acts chapter nine, mm-hmm. um, and let's just take the first part of this to start with. Just do verses one through. Uh, Eight, uh, one through nine, which is the experience he has with uh, Christ. Great. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, 
said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Okay. Um, and by the way, when it says he neither ate nor drank, it doesn't mean that he didn't have water. He just didn't drink normal. Uh, he didn't he didn't eat things, but he wasn't he wasn't without water. He he had water, but he he just didn't drink what they normally would have drink. Which, by the way, would have been uh, some wine. Interesting enough. Mm. Um, okay, so um, Saul. Uh, remember was a Pharisee right um, so he's been he was with the council when they put Jesus to death mm-hmm. and they worked to uh, make sure that Pilate fulfilled what he was supposed to do which is to crucify him because they were their desire was to get rid of him mm-hmm. um, he goes to his death, he's resurrected, and now the disciples um, are spreading the news. And we remember we, we uh, looked at, when we were talking about intimacy, we read the story of Peter and John being told, stop that. Right. Well, I can't because I- And they I'm said with, we can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm with him and it's gonna happen, so I can't do it. Um, well, um, actually right after that is when Stephen gets stoned mm-hmm. to death. Um, and by the way, it's a great, if you, if you want to spend some time and think about this, um, he was martyred, but there's an implication that he wasn't in pain. Hmm. And it's really interesting to go through that and see it, that he was protected while he then, because he said, I see Jesus and I'm going home, you know, and it's really interesting. Hmm. Uh, but so that's a whole different thing. But guess who was standing there? Saul. Saul was, yeah. Um, and um, I'm, I'm joining to shut this down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now the Pharisees, yeah, 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 we're going we're gonna to come against them and we're gonna keep, we're going to try to do what we can to keep them against them. But Saul said, well, I know you guys are just going to try to do your best. I'm going to actually take care of it mm-hmm. uh, personally. So he said, I am going to chase him down. Mm-hmm. And I'm either going to have him killed or I'm going to have him arrested and stop this nonsense. And I'm going after it. Okay, now he's, um, he's from Jerusalem. Right. Which is where the Pharisees you know, lived and met. Well, where is he going? Damascus. That he's on the road to Damascus, yeah. Okay, so Damascus is... Uh, remember, Jesus lived most of his life in Galilee, mm-hmm. north of Jerusalem. Um, and when he went from Galilee to Jerusalem, it took him at least a week to walk with his family and with others from Galilee down to Jerusalem. Okay. Damascus is even further. Mm, okay. Uh, and, uh, and it's basically Lebanon. So... Um, I'm going to walk, Paul's going to go from Jerusalem to Damascus. Mm-hmm. And he says, what is he, what's his intention? I'm going to get everybody I can and stop this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm coming after him personally. And I'm going to spend my energy 
to do it. Now, uh, let's talk briefly about why was he so intent on that? What did he think? He truly did not think Jesus was the Messiah. He thought that this was a false prophet who was coming against everything he had studied that he held dear to his heart. I mean, he he loved the Word of God and studied the Word of God and thought that he was defending it. Yeah, and interpreted it always as law. Mm-hmm. And, hey, we got to live by this law, and we know the law. And by the way, he was part of it. It was it was both biblical, but mm-hmm. it was all the stuff that they added to it right. as yeah, well. Right, that's true, too. That mm-hmm. he was, you know, thinking it was right. Um, and we, and Jesus kept saying, that's not about law, it's about, it's about right. heart. And so it's got to be wrong, and it, this isn't right, and I'm a, I'm a follower of God, and he, he isn't. I'm going to shut this down, um, mm-hmm. and I believe what I'm doing is right. Uh, and so he's attacking, persecuting, coming mm-hmm. against Christians, and he's on his way to Damascus. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what happens here? Um, um, suddenly, he sees a light. Mm-hmm. Uh, shine around him from the heaven, and he goes. To, he falls to the ground, and he hears Jesus say, "What does Saul? What does Jesus say in verse 4? He says, um, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Okay, why are you persecuting me? Mm-hmm. Now that's an interesting statement. Um, in a sense, he's persecuting followers of Jesus. Right. Um. He didn't say, why are you persecuting the followers of Jesus, the disciples? He says, why are you persecuting me? Mm -hmm. Okay, now this is in in light of what we're trying to say. (laughs) What, why did he say that? Why are you persecuting me? I would think it has to do with the unity. The unity. The no intimacy. Pain, because we are intimate with him. Yeah. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Yeah. Yeah. Because, see, he says, um, I am within them. Mm-hmm. When you're persecuting them, you're persecuting me. Right. And by the way, Jesus had said this already once before when he talked, uh, when in, uh, this is in uh, uh, Luke, uh, he says, you know, go offer your peace. Mm-hmm. If they receive it, stay with them and disciple them. If they don't, reject, you know, say, okay, I take back my peace. I dust my feet off and I say the kingdom of God was here, but I'm, I'm moving on. He says, and then mm-hmm. he makes a statement. Actually, it's not you they're coming against. Who are they coming against? Jesus him. says, me. Yeah, that they're coming against So him. Don't, don't take it personal. They're actually coming against me because mm-hmm. you're with me. And so that's what he says to, to Saul mm-hmm. is that because they're me living out the uh, invisible power of God in a physical, physical person, because the Holy Spirit's within him, why, he just says, why are you persecuting me? Now, and, and again, you think, right. of, think of all that Jesus is up to here. He could have said, stop it. <laughs> I'm coming after you. Mm-hmm. you know, you're it. You're done. You're toast. Uh, he, he just says, uh, why are you persecuting me? Okay, now now Saul's answer. Remember, now, now interesting enough, Saul is in prayer with God. Mm. How come? 
He's in he's in prayer. You're cutting with out God. on me a little bit. Why why he's is in with God. why is he in prayer with God? Because he's in dialogue with God. He's in dialogue with him. Yeah. I heard Having God. A conversation. I heard God say something, and he says in verse five, "What is his response?" His Saul. response is, "Who are you, Lord?" Well, who are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so he starts to understand something that it's the person. And I'm persecuting him. And exactly, who are you? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, I am Jesus, mm-hmm. whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And, and that's a, uh, a, a term of how they move cattle, that um, you're trying to go against what is true. Mm. Um, and you, you think it's easy for you to do. Actually, it isn't. And you're pushing upstream and you really shouldn't be. And, and who's talking to you is Jesus, who, mm. by the way, is whom you're persecuting. Why? Because you're persecuting the people that are having my life lived out through them. Okay, mm. now this is cool. In verse 6, how does he respond? He says, so trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay. This is a remarkable statement. Um, mm-hmm. He's coming against him. I believe in everything I believe in, and I think what I'm doing is right. I encounter Jesus in a short couple sentences mm-hmm. and says, uh, you're coming against me. Mm-hmm. His response isn't, yeah, but. Right. In or, fact, it's, it's surrender right away. It's complete you know. surrender. Okay. <laughs> okay. If this is true, mm-hmm. what, what do you want me to do? Right. Okay. Interesting enough, that's the question that everybody is to ask all the time. What do you have to say now? Mm-hmm. And he got it right away. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you read the gospel, if you read the uh, the books of the New Testament that Paul wrote, he describes himself all the time, not as I'm this great, fantastic writer of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He describes himself as a bondservant right. of Christ. And a bondservant has no rights and says, what do you, what do you have to say? Mm-hmm. Well, he gets this immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, then what do you, and that characterized the rest of his life. Because interesting That's enough, beautiful. interesting enough, where that was always inside of him. But he never had an encounter with the personal Jesus. Now mm. he does, okay, what, what is it you have to say? And Jesus says, well, I'll let you know. Go in the city, you'll be told what to do. Uh, so you go, and by the way, okay. And he gets up from the ground, and guess what? He can't see. He's mm-hmm. blind. He didn't say, hey, could you come back and make me? He just said, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just supposed to be led into town and wait. And think about think mm. about Paul, who's this? I'm going after everybody, and I know what I'm doing, and I'm super aggressive, which we, by the way, learned throughout even as an apostle of Jesus. He was pretty aggressive. Right. But, okay, um, I'll just follow this at the moment. And God says, I've, I've now encountered you. You talk to me, prayer. I said my answer, and I'm asking you to be obedient to that answer. 
Mm-hmm. And Paul says, got it. He just encountered Jesus in the life of prayer because that's it. It's the dialogue mm-hmm. and it's the intimacy of the relationship which he experienced immediately. Mm-hmm. So think how beautiful that is, uh, that um, he's starting with somebody who's who's coming after him and coming after Christians that have him within him, and he encounters them, and he, within a few you know minutes, okay, uh, what do you got to say? Um, I'm understanding. I heard you. Uh, you heard me. You answered my question. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. Um, and now he began what it meant to have life with God through intimacy, through what? Prayer. Right. And I tell you, if you can't read that and just be struck by the grace of God and the power of redemption, mm. you know, I, I don't know what would strike you, <laughs> you know, to see that so clearly. And and it wasn't that he even had to convince him. He came and, you know, and he, and he, he spoke to him. And once he, once God revealed himself or Jesus revealed himself to him, he went to complete surrender. Right. And what a beautiful picture of redemption, right. you know? Yeah. And he knew the, he knew the, the uh, statement to make is that, yeah. yeah, I know what you're doing. You know, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, you think it isn't real. It's real. Yeah. And I'm here to prove it's real and you can hear it's real. And it's by the amazing. way, he, and he could see him. Interesting enough, he could see him. The others couldn't. He mm-hmm. could hear, but he couldn't see. G- uh, Paul saw him. Right. Uh, who are you, Lord? Who are you, person? It wasn't who are you, voice. Right. Uh, so it's really cool. So we'll pick up, or we're going to pick up the second half of the story that talks about how God works both sides of the deal. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into that tomorrow uh, and process it further. So um, uh, hopefully this this uh, story came alive to you to experience that it's all about the intimacy and the ability, the beauty, the wonder of just dialogue with God. How cool mm-hmm. is that? And it's transformative. Transformative, <laughs> absolutely. And redemptive. Like yeah. you said, that's a beautiful statement. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. We'll see you next time. Yep, we will see you tomorrow and catch up on the next part of the story. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.